You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 127, Prepare to Join the Battle, Questions from a Student. Produced by Innovate Learning, Maximizing Human Potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And we've been gone just a bit for the summer break. Uh, You know, I say break, Sandy, but the reality is, is you and I have both been so busy that we've had a hard time aligning our schedules because you've been so busy with your work with the Global Center for Women and Justice and and your teaching responsibilities uh, and getting planned out for the academic year. But we, we're back. I'm so excited I, to be back. For I that. have to tell you that um, what happened with summer will show up in future podcasts. We were doing training in with law enforcement in Bucharest, Romania, we were doing training in Guayaquil, Ecuador, in Quito, Ecuador. In Ecuador, they asked us to do some training to start a Live to Free club there. And that is a great way to begin to educate young people on the risks of labor and sex trafficking in really vulnerable um, communities and countries. And then we also went back to Argentina for our third trip, doing more training with community leaders, hosting Asegura Justicia, for our, which is Ensure Justice, for our second time. And you'll be hearing from one of our speakers there as well. So I'm excited for jumping back into fall. And when I got back, I had this marvelous email from a university student by the name of Asia Lafam. And we're going to answer all of her questions today, Dave. Every question she's ever had. No, not every question, but, no. but we'll, we'll definitely answer all the questions that, or at least most of the questions she addressed here in her message. So I think it's a great way for us to jump right back in, Sandy. And uh, as you mentioned, we're going to have a number of those conversations coming up in future episodes here of the work you've been doing over the summer. But yeah, let's uh, let's jump right in here to some of her her questions. And there's some questions here that are, are logistical questions she asked us about. And there's also some questions here that uh, are more complex. And uh, and we looked at them and we thought, you know, this would be a really, um, these are some questions that are actually common questions that many people are probably asking. And so uh, we thought we'd just jump right in and uh, and and address them. So uh, let's start with uh, uh let uh, actually I'll start with uh, reading her first part of her message here, Sandy. Um, she wrote in and said, "I had the pleasure of hearing you speak, Sandy, uh, when I invited you to come and be a moderator for the sex trafficking discussion panel in the spring of 2015 at California State University, San Bernardino. About a month ago, when I revisited the Global Center for Women and Justice website, I stumbled upon the podcast that you and Dave collaborate on and have been listening consistently ever since. Thank you so much. It's been a tremendous blessing to me and has given me greater hope that I can use the knowledge I have learned, coupled with the specific gifts God has given me to play my role in ending human trafficking. Thank you. I had multiple questions I was hoping you could answer for me regarding upcoming events, your center's hosting, as well as general questions regarding human trafficking as a whole. So let's jump into this first one here, Sandy. Uh, First of all, she asks about 
the next conference, the Ensure Justice Conference, coming up in March 2017. And she asked specifically about early registration, uh, student discounts, and how that works. And I was wondering if you can tell, just share some logistics on that for all of us. Well, our Ensure Justice Conference is March 3rd and 4th, 2017, and early registration will open September 1st. Um, the conference this year is uh, theme is Build a Strong Child. You, If you've been listening for a long time, you know that we are very prevention-focused, and Build a Strong Child will deliver a platform for you to develop a local strategy that contributes to the resilience of children and young adults who might be more at risk for being trafficked, whether here in the United States where I live or in Ecuador or Argentina or Romania where we just were this summer. And so the I love your question, Asia, because you wanted to clarify for students, and I really encourage students, I would be very happy if we maxed out on students and professionals didn't even get a chance to get a seat. But um, no, I don't mean that because of course I want, I want the professionals, child welfare workers and teachers and healthcare providers, I want you to be there. But the early bird discount, she asks, is it $20 off the registration? Or is the price $20? Um, and the price is $20 for students for both days. And I want to, at this point, give a big shout out to our generous community sponsors that make this so accessible to students. We couldn't, obviously, we couldn't even feed you lunch at the conference Um for $20 based on the way that you have to set up big tables and all those kind of logistics. But we want our Vanguard students and we want as many university students that are preparing to be um, members in the battle against human trafficking. We want you to have access to the very best resources, the most current speakers, to learn best practice methods that are emerging so that you are more prepared to go back to your community and literally be a part of building a strong child. So the date is March 3rd and 4th, 2017. And Dave, when you when can you start early registration? September 1st, 2016. So just be shortly after this show airs. So if you're hearing this after that, you can go online. And I think the best place to go for that, Sandy, is go to, is it vanguard.edu slash gcwj? That's right. And for those of you who are not students, we did not leave you out. Your registration price is $75 if you register early. And of course, it is probably obvious by the conference fees, Sandy, we're working extremely hard to make this accessible to everyone. Uh, You're you're not going to find a a less expensive conference uh, probably anywhere in Southern California. And we want to have as many people there as possible. And so we're grateful for so many partners that have made that uh, so affordable for, for folks to attend. So it's, it's going to be a really exciting event, and it keeps growing every single year. Um, and, and speaking of events, uh, one of the other things I noticed she asked about here is the Next Hands That Heal training. Uh, for those who aren't aware, could you tell us a little bit about what that is and then when, uh, when we can expect the next one? 
We did our first hands-fit heel training at Vanguard in 2007, and it is consistently one of the um, most requested community-based trainings for aftercare for victims. It's designed with um, a community focus. It is intercultural. Some of the people who designed the hands at heel training have worked on human trafficking in Thailand, Cambodia, India, Africa, and here in the United States. So it's, um, it's a very cross-culturally based curriculum. And we don't teach the entire curriculum. We train the trainer. So if you're already involved in um, some sort of anti-human trafficking effort, whether it's nonprofit, faith-based, or um, in your community um, with, with schools, with child welfare, with social services, the training is intended to serve the people that serve victims of human trafficking, whether those victims are male, female, minors, or adults. Um, the curriculum is based on a strategy of meeting the victim where they are. It is trauma-informed. It teaches a um, taxonomy, a, a, a vocabulary that's going to promote wellness. And it really strives toward making the victim be a survivor and be recognized as a strong survivor. Hands at Heel curriculum was developed by the Faith Alliance Against Slavery and Trafficking. It is a four-day train-the-trainer, and you learn how to use the curriculum and right where you are. So when you're certified as a trainer, of train, uh, as a, as a trainer then you will go back and use the curriculum in your own community uh, at a civic center, at a church, at a school, at a university. Um, and that by that way, we're able to multiply excellence. We've done train the trainers in Europe, in Italy. Um, they've done train the trainer at, um, in Spain most recently through the FAST Alliance. Last year in December, we did a four-day train the trainer for hands at heel. And we were we do a small group, usually only 20 people. So the way to find out, my answer to your question, Asia, is the next hands at heel training is to be determined. And we decide to put one on the calendar when we have enough people in Southern California asking us to do that. Usually, we, um, we do it either during spring break or uh, winter break or in the summer. So because our, our, our schedule is around our Vanguard University semester. So that's what Hands the Heal is. And I hope that many of you will respond by emailing us at gcwj at vanguard.edu. And we'll put you on a wait list if you'd like to become a trainer for Hands that Heal. Perfect. And speaking of things that are going on, and training and educational opportunities. Um, she's heard us talking about the anti-human trafficking certificate 
program Sandy that was recently launched with a partnership between the Global Center for Women and Justice and Vanguard University as part of the academic program. And she had a couple of questions about the logistics of that. Now, we've talked about the course content over a couple of recent episodes, so you'll want to check those out if you're interested in content. But logistically, she was wondering what courses will be offered for 2017 and when the classes will be offered. And she was also wondering how it works with financial aid and um, if that's available for the classes and just the number of weeks logistically to, um, and it looks like she had some questions about just the normal session versus an expedited version. So could you tell us a little bit about how that works on the logistics? And you can go back and look at the podcast on the, the certificate to see the, the content for each course, but it's, it will be offered two online courses every semester. The courses are seven weeks, so that's why you can do two in one semester. And the, there's four courses in the certificate, so would, you would conceivably be able to complete a certificate if your schedule lines up to do that within one year. Um, the unfortunate part of this for unless we have some sort of an agreement with your university for transferable credit, um, there, there are, um, there's no financial aid because you're a student at large. And opening this certificate program to the broader community internationally, actually, um, doesn't fit our, our normal U.S. financial aid um, program. So the only easy way for financial aid is if you are actually part of a Vanguard University degree program. So if you're in a program already in this course, it can be an elective. Or if you're, you're thinking about doing uh, professional studies to finish your bachelor's, to finish your master's, this can be part of your elective coursework. Um, there, uh, I think I already answered your question about how many weeks. It's seven yep. weeks in an expedited version. And this particular semester, um, the human trafficking course starts August 22nd. It is commercial sexual exploitation of children. And during that seven weeks, you will need to spend 15 to 20 hours a week to complete all of your reading assignments, to listen to podcasts where you get to hear from the very best, as you already know, uh, a few short videos and some um, narrated PowerPoints and at least one online group meeting um, and one online meeting with the professor. That will re result, along with your essay assignments and quizzes, in producing a final paper that will be a case study of an actual victim who's become a survivor. And we want to um, encourage people to look at the certificate as a way of professional development, um, the four courses, just to remind you, are basic human trafficking from a law enforcement and legal perspective, um, aftercare, commercial sexual exploitation of children, and ethics. So that's what will happen in the four courses offered in the 2016-2017 academic year. Okay, perfect. And, uh, and so now she has some questions for us that are more general questions about human trafficking, and uh, and some of them are related to academics, Andy, but some of them just more general here. 
Um, she's wondering if we have any recommendations for graduate programs in Southern California specifically that have a curriculum focused on human trafficking. And she mentions preferably relating to social work or clinical or counseling psychology. Um, what, what, if any, direction do you have for her around that and for others who may be looking for graduate programs? I want you to become the very best expert in your field. Um, too many times people think you can get a, a, um, a degree in human trafficking and you'd have to be exceptionally brilliant to know everything there is to know about human trafficking. And I am not in that category. Um, human trafficking is a symptom and it looks different in different contexts. Labor trafficking in Africa looks different than labor trafficking in Orange County, California. Um, sex trafficking is a very complex issue that is sometimes related to domestic violence, uh, family violence. It's related to um, problems that kids have that uh, result in them running away. And so then you need to have someone with great expertise in social work. Um, you need clinical uh, psychology programs because the unique needs of of the of adolescents compared to adults is um, an area of expertise that people in your your met, um, discipline because you're a, a third year psych major um, they begin to separate out where am I going to focus so you can't be a great psychologist if you do everything. And someone who's more general will often refer you to someone with a specific expertise. And that's exactly what I recommend in human trafficking. Become an expert in your field with an understanding of the multidisciplinary nature of human trafficking. Many times you've heard me talk about how we need everybody at the table. If we only have a room full of people who've done basic human trafficking, we're still going to have to refer out to someone with an expertise. And if they don't have any background on human trafficking, then um, we won't have the right qualified people in place. A great example, I have um, a Vanguard alum who graduated with a sociology degree and a women's studies minor. She worked in our department she became very knowledgeable about human trafficking. When she moved home, she finished her clinical social work degree and started working in child welfare. Even though they had many senior child welfare workers um, with the same degrees, she had the most um, competency on the general issues of human trafficking and was able to create an amazing team by plugging all the people in who had the right experience. So my recommendation is to become excellent at what you do and stay engaged in learning what's happening in the emerging fields with human trafficking. Perfect. Thank you. Great perspective, Sandy. All right. So now um, let's see. She, she has a specific question. She's wondering, how are traffickers putting ads on is it backpage.com yes. is that the name of the address yes. 
She says, how are, how are traffickers putting ads on Backpage.com when most, if not all, major credit card companies have restricted them from using their cards on the website? Um, what well, do you know about this? There, there are several different um, answers to that. Part of it, um, a lot of the, just beyond uh, Backpage, there are many, many websites like this. And they will often have um, one company that is U.S.-based and then another company in another country with less restrictions. Um, there are also, you can't use a particular credit card, but you can buy um, a, um, a throwaway credit card that is from something that isn't listed in there and it'll, it'll sneak through. Um, probably the best expert, and we did a podcast, and you've probably already listened to it, is Ernie Allen, who happens to be um, our speaker at Priceless Luncheon to End Human Trafficking in September, on Saturday, September 17th. And if you are um, interested, if anyone is interested in being a sponsor or, or getting a ticket, you can go on our website to the Priceless Luncheon. Ernie Allen is founders and retired founder of National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, has created a public-private partnership with the FBI and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And so a lot of the um, activity that happens happens on the dark side of the internet that most of us don't ever see. And he um, talks about that in his um, last podcast and we'll be doing a new podcast with him when he's out here in September. I'm not sure you know the answer to this next question, Sandy, but you might have perhaps um, a framework or some data that is out there. Uh, she is wondering on average, how long does a victim stay with her pimp? If she becomes victimized at let's say 13 to 15 years old, does the pimp sell her to another trafficker once she gets to a certain age? If he thinks that she is too old and won't be as profitable to him as she was when she was younger, or is age irrelevant to them once they have a victim in their possession who they fully groomed? Well, as you can imagine, that's a very individualized um, answer. That could take an entire podcast. And if I start too much, um, we won't finish on time today. But we'll let you know when we schedule that. In the meantime, just know that victims don't always stay with the same pimp. Um, they do, from time to time, try to run away, and when they can't um, make it, they, um, they're picked up by another pimp. Um, and then also, um, often, a girl particularly, and sometimes boys, um, may actually begin to, uh, and I'm using air quotes if you can imagine, partner with the pimp and become almost um, uh, a co-business partner in, in, the, um, in the process. And we call that girl a bottom girl. Um, there are lots of other names. I'm sure some of you that are listening are saying, why don't you just say all the other names? But let's just stay with that. And they actually um, manage the, the younger girls and indoctrinate them into the business. And so then they actually become... Um, pimps. And it's very tragic when they do a bust and they have a 15, 16 year old girl. And as they, as they sort through the case, they discover she's actually the one posting the younger girl's pictures. 
She's the one setting up the dates. So this is, Dave, we'll, we'll put this on our agenda to do an entire podcast on this. Good to know. Um, and speaking of good things to know, this next question, Sandy, I don't even think I've heard a number of these terms. So and it just goes to your earlier point of how much there is so much for us to learn around human trafficking, unfortunately. Um, she is wondering if we could please explain the difference in the tactics of Romeo and gorilla pimping, which I had never heard of either of these. Um, she says, I have a basic understanding of how both work. In my previous research, I learned a pimp can have three to five women in his quote unquote stable at one time. How would, uh, and she asks, how would properly, how would they play out the manipulative tactics of persuading the women to be his girlfriend and then creating a, the perfect American dream with her once he's successful at getting her away from friends and family and convinces her to live with him? Uh, if there are other women living at this house, wouldn't this cause tension and jealousy with the other women? Is this where the term daddy and family comes from? Um, Sandy, tell us just maybe you can give us a high level view of like what these terms even mean and how does that relate to the broader issue? Well, the Romeo pimp um, usually has lured the girl um, by telling her how beautiful she is, by telling her she should be a model. Um, by telling her that he's falling in love with her. When, we, when we've used stories in the past, we've talked about um, like a 14-year-old girl being um, romanced into becoming a pimp. And usually these are, these are kids who have um, run away, don't have any resources. And when he tells her she's beautiful and he offers her a place to stay that's safe off the street and safe is with air quotes as well, um, then this is where, to answer your question about other women living in his home, um, he begins to tell her he loves her. He, he buys her gifts to prove that he loves her. And then when he takes and starts setting up quote unquote dates for her, um, he convinces her that, that she, she's doing this because she loves him. And she may not even know there are other girls in his stable yet, but when she does, um, he's told her that he loves her best and he plans to marry her when she's old enough. Well, she's 14. So this is her secret. And she knows that she's the one that he really loves. And in four years, they'll get married. So she just sees the, uh, he's convinced her that the other girls working are contributing to them getting married and having um, their own home. So the scenario looks different each time, but it turns into pretty much the same situation. So they're all living together. He's the daddy, and it does become a family. Um, however, the, um, the, other, the other side of things is the gorilla um, pimp, and he doesn't recruit her with telling her she's beautiful. He grabs her and gets her into a situation that she may have willingly gone into. I often talk about the very popular movie series Taken and how they, if the movie was, would have been over if they'd have played it out the way it normally happens. The, the pimp recruits by inviting someone to a girl to a party or to something else and then they just disappear. They usually put something in their drink. They take them someplace where they can't access 
but the, but they went there willingly. Very few times does it happen where they just kidnap them off the street on their way to school. But a Romeo pimp can become a gorilla pimp. So now you're part of his stable. Now you have to keep him happy. And literally there's this conditioning um, that creates a uh, very much the kind of relationship that if you please me, everything's great. If you don't, you're going to get beat. If you don't, um, these are the consequences. And he places himself in that old-fashioned um, patriarchal, I'm the head of the family. And when someone has no place else to go, um, that becomes an acceptable routine. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best autobiographies about how that happens is written by Wendy Barnes. And her book is And Life Continues, and it is available on Amazon. So I suggest that you read Wendy Barnes and Life Continues. Fabulous. Fabulous. I, I learned a lot there. I didn't even know, Sandy. So thank you for helping me get, get better perspective here. Uh, speaking of perspective, we are running short on time. And so I think oh, we've got a couple more questions here, but I think I'm going to zero in on this one as our final question. So uh, we can uh, we can make sure to, to, to keep this fairly concise. Um, she finally asks here, how, uh, have you done a podcast specifically about the grooming process? If so, what podcast is it? I've read through all the podcasts, couldn't seem to find one specific to that topic. Um, Sandy, first of all, um, could you say something for those who aren't familiar with what the grooming process is? And are there any specific uh, episodes you'd recommend? Well, because um, pimps um, are traffickers and they don't want to attract a lot of attention, They want their victims to come with them willingly and for the victims to begin to have the mindset that they're dependent on them and or even um, complicit in criminal activity. So then if they report him, they're reporting themselves. So the grooming process might look like the the Romeo um, pimp who tells her that he loves her and buys her gifts, but it can also be a grooming that says you can't, you can't get. Um, away from me because you're part of this. You came with me. You were part of a robbery. You drove the car. All of all of those kinds of things. So there, the grooming process results in a compliant victim who feels, even if it isn't true, like they are dependent on this person to for survival, and they can't leave. So this um, is part of the whole psychological strategy of of. Creating that dependence and coercion. Coercion is the word that we use. Um, We do need to do a new um, podcast on this. But if you want to look back, we interviewed Holly Smith, author of Walking Prey, on podcast number 30. And Holly Smith is a survivor who has become an exceptionally um, gifted survivor advocate. She's written Walking Prey. She's written, written for Huffington Post. Um, uh, when I first met her, she called me because she had started listening right at the beginning of our podcast. And she wanted permission to cite podcast number four about um, child physiology and brain morphology. And she was, um, was going to go to Congress to testify on survivors of CSEC. And so 
she actually, in Walking Prey, when I got my copy, she sent me one. Um, on the very first uh, page, it cites that podcast. And so just a big shout out to Holly Smith. We have two other podcasts on grooming, number 32 and number 69. And of course, you can get access to all of those at the Global Center for Women and Justice podcast, uh, or not, but website, I mean, uh, Sandy. Uh, again, the address for that is vanguard.edu slash GCWJ. And uh, the other way to access it is for those of you who use either iTunes or Stitcher to listen to shows or really any podcast app, you can go on and search the entire past catalog. We do send the entire feed for all past episodes up to those services. So you should be able to locate all the past episodes there. And that's a great way to listen while you're on the go. Sandy, there's so many other questions here we, we don't even have a chance to tackle, but um, the important thing is is we're going to be tackling a lot of these in future episodes. And as you mentioned, uh, the next podcast, in fact, is going to be an interview uh, with uh, one of the folks you uh, partnered with down in Argentina. And so I'm really excited to hear that and, uh, and hear all of what's coming and that uh, the questions here have generated. So uh, thank you again for the wonderful questions. And please do keep those questions coming to us. We, uh, we love getting them, don't we, Sandy? Yes, we do. And uh, and the best way you can reach out to us if you have a question is, uh, first of all, to send us an email, gcwj at vanguard.edu. You can also call, of course, 714-966-6360. And in addition to what we've mentioned today, if you'd like to stay up to date on what's going on, with the Global Center for Women and Justice and where Sandy is in the world in, in, in influencing and bringing the message of the center. Uh, you can always follow us on Facebook. Just search for the Global Center for Women and Justice. Or you can go to that webpage we mentioned earlier and subscribe to our regular newsletter. That'll keep you up to date on everything we're doing. And again, the address for that, vanguard.edu slash GCWJ. And that stands for the Global Center for Women and Justice here at Vanguard University. Sandy... And- Always a pleasure. I just want to invite you to please, please do a review of the podcast so that your friends will more easily find us. Great reminder. Thanks, Andy. See you soon. Bye-bye.